everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and I've lost over two tons on my climate diet. I've been on this diet for a year now, and I've reduced my carbon emissions and shared my story. This month, I want to take a step back in case some of you are new to climate dieting in general and share some basic tips to reduce your carbon footprint. Think of it as Climate Diet 101. But first, I'm sorry I missed last week. I'll spare you the gory details, so let's just use Extinction Rebellion lingo and say I was focused on regenerative culture. But now that I've regenerated, I want to talk about renewables and electricity as a great way to start a climate diet. Let's start by looking at my electricity footprint. Last year, we used 1,400 kilowatt hours of electricity in my household. That's about a third of the average electricity bill in Germany and a mere 13% of the average U.S. household's electricity bill, which is a whopping 11,000 kilowatt hours per year, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, or EIA. So these numbers already tell you the first thing about a climate diet, which is saving electricity in general by being efficient. So let's assume then that we had used the standard German electricity mix of coal, natural gas, and renewables for those 1,400 kilowatt hours, in which case we would have emitted about a quarter ton of carbon dioxide, which is a third the German average of three quarters. So you already see that efficiency measures, just using dramatically less electricity than the average household, is a great way to start a climate diet and a great way to reduce your carbon emissions. But we've taken it a step further. Since we use 100% renewable electricity, we emitted 0.02 tons of carbon dioxide last year. And this is according to the calculator from the German environmental agency, UBA. In the 15 years I've been paying for green electricity, I've saved in the ballpark of about three and a half tons of carbon dioxide. By being a crazy energy efficiency nut, I've saved another seven and a half tons. So in starting a climate diet, you can take a decent bite out of your carbon emissions by looking at electricity usage. Here, as I found by looking at meat, when I was looking at food emissions, energy efficiency really gets short shrift here, even though it's kind of the biggest factor. So I want to emphasize that by looking at my own example, Two-thirds of the carbon I've saved in electricity emissions is from efficiency measures. The bonus of these is that reducing energy saves you money. So here are my big-ticket energy-saving tips. First, make sure that any new light fixture you put in is LED. These are a good deal more efficient than fluorescents and have none of the dangerous mercury in them. For more information on this, check out the documentary Bulb Fiction, which talks about mercury in fluorescence. Second, use power strips and timers. 
this is a really great way to save a lot of electricity without a lot of time-consuming extra effort on your part. We have power strips for our entertainment system, our stereo, and our kitchen appliances. This means that when we're not watching a movie, for example, all of our electronics are completely off. That's projector, DVD player, surround sound, video game system. They're completely off, not just in standby mode. Some electronics use up to 30% of their on energy in standby mode, and especially newer devices that use wireless internet connection are huge energy hogs, even if you're not at home. If you can, put any of these devices in airplane mode whenever you can. And for a bonus efficiency kick, you can set a timer to turn off things like your internet router late at night. I haven't gone that far, but I always turn off my router whenever I go on vacation. This saves electricity and makes sure that no one is downloading weird stuff off my connection while I'm away. Finally, this is obvious, but worth a further mention, turn off lights and devices when you're not using them. I'm not the best with my laptop, but I make sure to turn off my phone every night before bed and I leave it in the kitchen. This saves a good eight hours of electricity at least every day. Better cell phone practice is something that's critical for your psyche anyway, but measures like this also save electricity. These are all important energy saving tips and part of the reason that I already have such a low carbon footprint. But if you're a regular listener, you know that I'm sort of obsessed with one-off changes, things that you can change one time that then reduce your emissions consistently over the long run. Last year, I spent several episodes talking about the climate impact of switching to a green bank, which is how I saved nearly a ton of carbon dioxide last year. If you haven't done that yet, I recommend going back to episodes 9, 10, and 11 from last season. But Either way, there's a great one-off change you can make related to electricity, and that's switching to a green electricity provider. Part of what makes this so great is you reduce meaningful emissions in one easy change. But you can also make a difference if you pick the right provider. And here I want to stress that that provider is at least as important as the tariff itself. And that's because the provider sets the tone on what energy project your electricity bill pays for. Let's look at two 100% renewable energy contracts, one with a traditional electricity provider and another from a community energy initiative. The traditional provider wants to make money, so it will look for the cheapest energy it can find that meets renewable standards. This usually means hydropower or dams. There's nothing wrong with dams from a climate perspective, although large hydroelectric dams wreak havoc on river ecosystems. For example, they've decimated the salmon population in the Pacific Northwest. But if your money is going to an energy source that's existed for decades, you're not helping to push along the transition to renewables. In other words, this is the main concern of green energy tariffs is In most electricity systems, there is a certain percentage of renewables already in the system. So every dollar of an electricity bill that is earmarked to that electricity just means that everyone else 
who doesn't care is getting slightly more of their electricity from coal and gas. It doesn't change the mix. And this is the impetus for many community energy initiatives or energy cooperatives, encouraging the creation of new renewable capacity. The energy co-op, in contrast to the traditional provider, is not necessarily interested in profit. What they want is to promote renewables. So they're going to put the money that they collect from your electricity bill into new renewables projects, often in your local community or on a small scale. So you're not just guaranteeing that you get carbon-free electricity, but you're also working with groups on the front lines of the Energiewende. That's German for energy transition. Finally, energy cooperatives are nonprofit entities owned by the users, which means your electricity expenses are also working to change the power structure of the energy game itself. From faceless international conglomerates that use their profits to buy politicians and ensure their future dominance, to local communities interested in promoting equity through a just transition. Ah, to me, it's a no-brainer. Bonus, I've found that small, green-minded energy firms have far better customer service than the big players. I've been using Greenpeace Energy here in Germany and used clean currents back in the United States. But I suggest looking around into what local groups are available where you live. For example, in Berlin, a recent grassroots effort to buy back the electricity grid has led to the remunicipalization of the local utility. In other words, it was bought back by the city. So if I were shopping around for an electricity contract today, I might go with the Berliner Stadtwerke. But more on that initiative another time. Stay tuned. Important to remember now is this. Electricity is a great way to start a climate diet. And you can reduce your electricity footprint in two ways. By using less electricity and by buying that electricity from a green energy provider. Drop me a line if you find a particularly good one in your area. I'm really curious to hear the full spectrum of what's out there. What's giving me hope this week? Last week was Berlinale, the Berlin International Film Festival. If you don't live in Berlin, you may not realize what a big deal this festival is. First, it's the largest film festival in the world, with 400 films screened over 10 days throughout the city. It's the highlight of the winter for me, and I was excited to catch six films this year. But now, two things separate Berlinale from other major film festivals. First, it's open to the public, with average people like me able to get tickets for most of the screenings at a reasonable price. For this reason, it's called the People's Festival by people in the industry, and this is very, very true. One of the movies I saw was a whopping five euro. It was in the children's program. And a good half of the movie theater was full of kids from school groups watching this movie. And it was really amazing to see how they reacted. And also the questions that they asked the director after the movie was over. It was definitely a a great experience. The second thing is how political the festival is. It's something of a running joke that the winner of the Golden Bear, which is the festival's top award, has to be a serious film about an anti-authoritarian regime in the Middle East. This year, the winner was an Iranian film about the death penalty. 
so that box was checked. This gives the festival an important role in political education, tackling themes from immigration to queer rights, racism to climate change. I took my students to see the Anthropocene last year, which was a highlight for them. Anyway, what's given me hope this week was the festival's incorporation of the UN Sustainable Development Goals into its programming. If the SDGs don't mean anything to you, here's what they are. In 2015, the United Nations released 17 goals that it considers central to achieving sustainable development after an unprecedented international deliberation process. Now, I have some issues with these goals, but in general, they're a good way to get everyone on the same page in terms of what key issues are important to tackle to promote sustainability. Since their release, the SDGs are often used as a buffet, with organizations and governments picking the goals most relevant to their work. The Berlinale this year identified four that it sought to address. Quality education, gender equality, industry innovation and infrastructure, and sustainable consumption and production. In addition to the exhibition at Potsdamer Platz, basically a giant wall with information about the SDGs and a place for visitors to post sticky notes with their ideas on how to make the festival more sustainable, the festival also held several talks and workshops on greening the film industry. They had one, for example, on greening props, which are things that you often need in one film or on a TV show that you have to throw out afterwards. I've been thinking a lot more lately about how the climate and sustainability crisis means it really is time for all hands on deck. So it gives me a lot of hope that such a large and important film festival sees that it has a role to play and is trying to make a difference. Thanks for listening. I now have listeners from 15 of the 16 German federal states or Bundesländer. So thank you to everyone listening throughout Germany. But now I have a small favor to ask. I said 15, which means I'm still missing Saarland. So if you know someone who lives there, please recommend this podcast to them. I would love to have listeners in every Bundesland. Next time, I'm going to continue my Climate Diet 101. Since I focused on one thing today with green electricity, I'm thinking of offering a few smaller steps in the next episode. Drop me a line if there's something in particular you'd like me to cover. Lisa at myclimatediet.org. This podcast is a labor of love, and you can show me you care by telling me why you listen at lisa at myclimatediet.org. Thanks to David from Quince for letting me use his wonderful music. And if you want to stay up to date, follow me on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. And don't forget to rate My Climate Diet on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find me and start their own climate diet. Because if everyone went on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world.